0: All right, guys, yo, welcome back to the Sprite University slash Men and Now podcast. We got a very unique episode today, and in a very important one, we're going to be talking about love addiction and love avoidance. And essentially what I've learned along this journey is this is kind of, you know, where one it is, the real psychology behind it. And in learning about it, I know I've grown a lot recently. We have a lot of guys who have experience with it and have worked to overcome it themselves or and or are continuing to work on it today so I'm really excited for this one to dive in Uh, thank you everyone for joining Uh, this is gonna be a really good talk so to begin uh, briefly going to kind of touch on the difference between codependency and love addiction because they can seem very synonymous and almost the same thing and I was very confused uh what the two were Uh, I'm in codependency recovery so for me I was just like okay I'm basically facing love addiction right um not true they are there are uh, some subtle differences. So uh, first off, let's let me get uh, this up. So the book we're going to be reading today is called uh, Facing Love Addiction by Pia Mellody. So really solid book would recommend checking it out. Um, it's going to be right here. So this guy and um, and dude, it's just it's just so powerful. I uh, would recommend anyone checking it out. It's pretty deep. So you know, take it at your own pace. Um, and then what the first part is that i'm going to be reading with you guys is nope not that okay right here so codependency precludes healthy self-love and those who are compulsively driven to try to get someone else to tell them that they are lovable and loved are termed love addicts so the belief of love addict is that the other party can and will take care of them comes from the third and fourth adult symptoms of codependency so again they are related as you're seeing, there are differences though. Difficulty only one's reality appropriately and difficulty taking care of one's own needs and wants. And this one's pretty fascinating because you, know, you can start off entering a relationship being very, very interdependent, very um, independent. And I know that I found that when I get into a, a relationship where I find that love addiction comes up, I start to lose myself a bit. And I start to make the other person's wants and needs my wants and needs. And that's where it becomes dangerous. So on the other hand, the obsession about the other party, constantly thinking about the person, wanting to be with him or her, to make contact with emotionally, physically, every way possible is part of love addiction. So this is kind of, you know, I think some a really good way to kind of gauge where you fall in the spectrum in, in terms of love addiction. Um, making contact emotionally, physically, every way possible. Man, I can tell you I've done that. I'm sure some of you guys have as well. Just, just all you can think about is them. All you want is them. I know for me, I would be like, any chance I can get to hang out with them, I would take, which would inevitably, as we we know with women, push them away. So the part that it doesn't talk about here, but it's in the book, and this was the real distinction for me, was that with codependency, if you break up with the person or leave a relationship that is codependent, you actually feel relief, and it's a part of recovery because you're starting to set stronger boundaries, et cetera. The way to tell if it's love addiction is if there's withdrawal. And that is like, just was a huge distinction because I mean, I know you boys have all faced it where you wake up with a girl and it just feels like the world is just crumbling. That's more of a sign that it's love addiction over codependency. So guys, any uh, examples on that with yourselves and trying to, you know, having those withdrawal effects come up.
1: Well, I I have to, I have to say like when it comes to love addiction, like I think about that, like I tend to be cold and harsh uh, a lot of the time. And so When I think of, uh, you know, getting into fights, I don't think about the repercussions of the fight until, and like, even like threatening to break up or whatever else. It's, it's only when like, it gets to that heightened point that I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't really want to break up here. I don't want to lose this person. And so it's, it's very interesting to, uh, to look at there. And like, I had been in codependent relationships before and I mean, I, I could talk forever about this, but that was the first thing that came to my mind because, you know, I just was thinking about it the other day. I was having an argument with my girlfriend and it, it got heightened to that point. And I was like, you know, I, I laid down one of those lines. Like, if you're not happy, you don't want to do this, then just you can go. That's fine. But then that inner feeling, it's like, oh, sh-, like, I really do not want to lose this person. And it just was really strong. So that was the first thing that popped up in my head. Oh, man, I, yeah. I totally understand that you're like wait should i have said that fuck
2: (laughs) how do we make it work joel you mentioned in your intro that sometimes you can switch between the uh two types of attachment styles so you have the one that's more pursuant or the one that is more avoidant and i had something happen recently i know you know who i'm referring to so ran into her at an event just strong attraction from her towards me she was coming on strong and she she was a cute girl too so i kind of enjoyed the attention and uh, i think one of the first lines i said to her is something like well you know we look really good together and she was a bit of a narcissist whenever we go out she would always just spend half the time just taking photos of herself not really meeting other people I was I was out socializing and all that stuff, but it started off where she was really, really pursuant. And then eventually it got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I'll start to reciprocate. I'll allow myself to open up a bit. And the minute I did that, she started to become avoidant. So it's almost like the roles reversed at that point. So took me this time, uh, there's about a week or two where I was like, what the hell is going on? Okay, whatever. And then ran into her the other day and she said, Oh, well. I'm, I'm kind of seeing someone I'm trying to formalize it or want to get into a serious relationship. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, it, it is what it is. And luckily that's happened enough to me in my experience, my ample experience that you can get over it pretty quick, but for guys that are new to this stuff. And I remember for, in my case, God, maybe 10, 12 years ago, the same thing happened. And the first time that it happened, it kind of shook you up. You're just thinking, what the hell? And what they do is they love bomb you eventually. So it's really nice. They almost put you up on a pedestal. We talk about a lot of times guys Mm. put women on pedestals, but women can do that too. And it feels really, really good. And it's almost, Mm. Joel, to use kind of your terms on your channel, it's almost like an addiction. You get addicted to that attention and that validation and that strong desire from her towards you. And then eventually she uses that like a tool and she pulls that away. And I think what they do is they try to lure guys in doing that. And for me, she did get me for a bit, but again, it's, it's like a week or two and then I'm kind of get that out of my system. And that's why abundance is important because I did kind of some soul searching towards the end of Christmas, I actually got baptized a few days ago. So I'm reshifting my entire belief system right now to where I'm not going to pursue lower quality women and not in terms of attraction, but lower quality is in the quality of them as a human being. So Mm. I felt a lot better since then. I'm opening the doors towards girls that actually want to be with me, not even pursuing anyone at all. If she hits me up and she wants to be a part of my life, then I'll vet her strongly. And I've been doing this for years, but now I'm kind of taking it to the next level to where, okay, yeah, the physical intimacy is one thing, but that's You got to bring more to the table. And okay, yeah, you do my dishes. Okay, you rub my back. Okay, you rub my feet. You make my bed. You do my laundry. They all do that. So now there needs to be that deeper, more spiritual component involved. And since I'm very recently shifting my mindset and requiring that to be characteristic and a core characteristic in my filtering process i'm almost immediately seeing results and just i wake up next to a girl and think oh i actually like you i actually like you as a person aside from just the the physical aspect so i think a lot of guys get caught in these traps and again especially if you're new to this stuff to where you think oh my god this girl is so into me and she's coming on so strong so fast and then she pulls away and it just kind of shakes you up but you have to look inside and understand One, why that happened, which is why what we're covering here today. And then two, to see, okay, well, what kind of cracks or what sort of things inside of me do I need to work on to strengthen myself to ensure this does not happen again? Or I can see it coming.
3: I have a question Mm -hmm. for Jaron on that Mm -hmm. Uh, because you were saying that you have to be in a state of abundance. And attractive girls are naturally in a state of abundance to just go into their DMs. Guys kind of have to get to that level where they Mm -hmm. make abundance from – like you know years of practice and until it Mm -hmm. becomes their reality and you're now talking about being more serious and selective do you feel like a lot of times for guys it's necessary for them to be a player in a way for a little bit in order to really adapt that abundance so that they can now be more selective without the attachment and everything or um, do you think there's a way around that?
2: Dude, it's funny. That thought was going to my head literally as I was connecting my AirPods two minutes before the showtime. So I'd say yes. Um, I mentioned in my previous little uh, spiel there that 10, 12 years ago, something happening before and I always did good with girls in college. So I had a pretty high notch count even coming out of college long before I found the game type stuff or the RP type stuff. And since then, oh my God, I'm way, I'm way up there. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to share the actual number, but guys that know me know it's, it's way up there and it's fairly consistent too. So I think that, yeah, to get to this point to where I'm feeling good about my dating prospects and options. And again, I've always had prospects and options, but to where I'm, I feel like I can take it to that next level. I don't believe that I would have gotten to this point unless I had gone through the volume because it's Mm -hmm. like anything in life. If you do something Uh, Hundreds of times, like I played baseball growing up. So from what five years old to twenty three years old, I would do I would take five hundred hacks a day. You do anything five hundred times day in day out, then eventually you get good at it. It just becomes second nature. I still dream a lot of times that I'm up at the dish taking taking hacks. Joel and I trained core today, and we put some cables on. I was kind of going in that baseball motion. As it just felt so natural. So. Anything in life, you need to get your reps in. Uh, Joel plays music. I play music. I was playing the other night for a girl, and I was walking her through how I put together a song. Okay, I got to get this down. Then I got to add this layer. Then I got to do this. Now I got the rhythm down. Now I can go to vocals. I got to get the baseline. Then I can go into my head voice. Then I can go into falsetto. Then I can put it all together. And I showed her that process, and she's like, "Oh my god, wow! There's so many things going on at once." And the same thing applies to dating or relationships. I think you have to have that experience because once you've kind, once you've been there and done that, you've kind of seen it all. But even in my case, it still happened to me where this girl came on strong. She pulled away. And I had an emotional response to the point where I called into FedEx Fearless' Fearless's show the other day and and asked him, was like, hey, man, I'm kind of seasoned. What the hell is going on here? He said, oh, you're the rebound guy. And the minute he said that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And Having talked to him, he—he, he, you can tell by talking to him in person uh, that he's a, a more advanced guy. And I think we talk about a lot of higher level stuff in this uh, channel too. I think that's necessary to be able to lean on someone else because in my case, I love coaching other guys, but I realize that, okay, I don't really have other people that have been coaching me lately. So talking to someone else that's been there, done that, knows exactly what's going on and realize, oh, that's the case. And for whatever reason... I just felt better all of a sudden, which it just made sense. Aha! Uh-huh. She was posting me all over her social media. Anytime we went out in public, she was all over me. There were we'd go out, and there were very specific places she wanted to go to to show me off. And I was just thinking, okay, there's probably some other guy involved that she wanted to use me as a trophy or, or, her, or her arm candy temporarily. But for whatever reason, once he mentioned that uh, FedEx fearless, that kind of st- kind of stroked my ego a bit, but also allowed me to lay that issue to bed.
1: Yeah. And, and one point I want to make on that is that everybody's number is different. Like there's no reason, like I, I know that they, they've said in the space before, uh, oh, if you don't sleep with 50 girls, then you, you, you shouldn't get in a relationship. No, it's not. It's not that way. Everybody's number is different. It could be like five girls and then you've got it figured out. But that experience, those casual experiences are very important for your growth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Um, guys, I Oh, go ahead.
4: Know, I'm just going to say a couple of things on the, You know, the flip uh, between, I call it anxious and avoidance. I mean, I think what you were talking about there, Jaron, is more, it's more like the validation seesaw, that kind of temporary thing where, you know, he's got the power, which happens naturally. That's just games. But I think, you know, from what I understand, the real, the real flip here, which a, a lot of guys go through, is moving from kind of nice guy to the cold arsehole, like the the kind of narcissist. And I think, you know, even even I've I've had this experience myself. So in my younger years, I was I was just fucking walked on, right, and by everyone pretty much. Not not, not girls, guys, everyone. You know, people I work with, and I used to be a bit of a, a meathead. You know, I used to do a lot more weightlifting, and I'd, I'd be passive aggressive with it, right? So. I'd looked strong and tough, but on the inside, I was I was jelly. You know, it was like an exoskeleton, so I'd be all macho on the outside, passive-aggressive, but inside, I was, I was really weak, and I used to kind of tolerate things to a point, you know, let it build up, build up, and then I'd just cut someone off at the knees, you know, a <laughs> passive-aggressiveness because I was very, very, let's call it, on the anxious side. Mm. <clears throat> so I was a bit of a nice guy. And what a lot of guys do when they, when they want to get out of that nice guy syndrome, if you've read the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, they have to flip to the they overcompensate and flip to the other side. And the reason why you have to do that is because you, you almost become a cold asshole for a bit. But what you want to do is fall back into a kind of secure position, you know, in terms of the attachment style. But you can only fall back into a secure position when you've developed boundaries and self-worth, the reason why you are a nice guy in the first place, because you've got no flipping boundaries whatsoever. So if you overcompensate, which is what a lot of guys do, they start acting tough and all this stuff. The only way really to feel comfortable in the middle to actually have a a decent relationship is to have them boundaries and also that self-worth. So there's a big, in my opinion, that flip needs to happen that's what happens but in order to fully develop yourself it's inner work isn't it you know it's those boundaries and things
2: a so, lot of guys in the space use the term alpha versus beta so i say you have to vacillate between the two of those because there was a point where i started getting really mm-hmm. good at the dating thing and okay i could get pretty much whoever i wanted in the door but i couldn't get her to stay around and every now and then there's one where you really like her you're like well why doesn't she want to come back why doesn't she want to hang out with me <laughs> you can't be always asshole all the time is what i called it at that point so for yeah. me it was it was scary at first because i was like you i was the passive guy so i overcompensated and then i had to scale it back a bit and then i realized because i had done the inner work at that point that i'm kind of a nerd so when i started showing my nerdy side and kind of my goofy geeky side these girls then started falling in love with me and that was really comfortable <laughs> so yeah so i've always been myself but i was more on the passive side overcompensated and now found that nice sweet spot to where I feel like I can be myself most of the time, and the more comfortable you feel in your own skin, I swear to God, guys, women can feel your own emotions. So, but this one, I was referring to, and I started getting that when she started pulling back, and I started getting that anxious type energy, that just caused her to pull back more. Naturally, um, you know, she probably has her issues. We all have issues to some degree, some more than others. But I realized that once you just physically feel comfortable in your own skin, especially around women, they just want to stay around you.
0: That's mm. awesome, and that goes for people in general. Like, I mean, let's just face it. Like with dudes, I think we all get along because we're not trying to impress each other, which is I always relate it. Like, okay, if I yeah, get to- you guys, <laughs> yeah, <I'm kidding. laughs> Jared, look at me. If I yeah. if I can get, I, <laughs> I talked about this with Huds last night on a phone call. If I can get to the place where I am around dudes that I am with women, then I'm just gonna be chilling. So I'm really mm. looking forward to that, and I want to move us forward a little bit here to talking about kind of. The love i want to start with love uh, avoidant actually because um mm-hmm. jaren you had brought that up and i think uh, it's a great place to start so this diagram here is shows a really good uh kind of cycle of the love avoidant and you, you hit one of the points uh, right on jaren just the the love bombing so let's go through this together mm-hmm. so number one love avoidant enters a relationship because he will feel guilt he or she We'll feel guilty if they say no. So this goes for women out there watching as well. Uh, the avoidant attempts to uh, the avoidant attempts to be the to be relational behind a wall of seduction to avoid feeling vulnerable and to make the partner feel loved or special. Man, I was just in a love of, a relationship with a love avoidant, and they made me feel so damn good. <laughs> thought I was you know I finally love right uh number three so feeling engulfed in any way the love of what it moves to a wall of resentment anger and gets critical of the partner and I think we've all seen it too as soon as mm-hmm. you know you start to reciprocate that just like what Jaron did I did the same thing as well they go whoa whoa you're getting too close like you're pissing me off right yeah it's like setting a
1: false expectation it's like they go ahead and like love bomb you and then they get yeah. into the relationship and they get what they were presenting And then they're like, whoa, like this is not what I signed up for. And it's like, wait, but that is what you signed up for. I'm so confused. (laughs) That's why you (laughs) got me in the door. (laughs) Like, Jesus.
0: Uh, So that's what they call the positive intensity cycle, right? And we all see it. Like, we see you you get those good feelings. You get the come up. Same like if you're doing drugs or whatever. And then we have the negative intensity. So that is the avoidant user's resentment or a sense of being a victim to move to a wall of distance. And this one was really powerful for myself when I learned this because that's kind of what happened with the person I was with. They're like, yo, like they didn't know they never said it, but their behavior kind of showed it. Like all of a sudden they were like, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're i mean, smothered, blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, bro, like we were fine with this, like just a little bit ago. So mm-hmm. now in coming back to like kind of the game thing, mm-hmm. as you learn more about women for if you're a man and if you're a woman and you're learning more about male about men you learn that you do need to play the game a bit but that's for another podcast in terms of the pure psychology we move on to number five so the avoidance seeks intensity outside the relationship in order to feel alive and have a life of their own and this is kind of i think the phase when if you're dating a woman for example she'll start to go out and just be starting to talk to other guys or
4: called things. the discard well the
0: what end, was
4: that? it's called the yeah, discard, the discard. So if you think think about avoidance, at the extreme level, it's narcissism, right? Mm. So the love bombing is first. They're equally as insecure as the anxious, you know, really. They they, they fear intimacy. So they love avoidance, you know, they fear getting close. They kind of need it because everyone needs it. But that first love bombing, that's... um, kind of mirroring if you will so they kind of the way they do it is they'll mirror your behavior and act like you've put perfect person yeah. to kind of reel you in once they've got you they then start um kind of a process of devaluation they kind of devalue yeah. just by chipping away at you bit by bit and pulling back that, and that's what bpds do too yeah yeah well yeah. that that pullback is it, it's almost like emotional abuse really so if, if you if someone pulls back on you gets you to chase it's it, it's it's devaluing you it. it's saying you know don't want to spend time with you and then finally the discard that last bit i mean it's not called a discard there but if you look at the is it the dsm on psychology in terms yeah, of it's um you know called the discard and it's fucking brutal you'll be dropped like that because you meant nothing mm-hmm. because they can't attach you know what i mean they, they're a love avoidant they can't bond so, you know, the reason why it's so and easy is because they, they don't actually bond in the same way.
2: And as Joel mentioned on point number six, so they will, uh, following the discard, they will usually find someone else. They'll just keep repeating the cycle yeah, unless yeah. they do work on themselves. So they'll repeat it with new people, but they also do, and I'm I'm taking this from a BPD term, they'll do what's called hoovering, which is where they'll kind yeah. of keep tabs on you. So they'll pop back they'll up. come back. <laughs> yeah, I I I I told Joel uh, I had something similar happen about a year ago or so. Um, and the day this last girl told me, Oh, hey, I'm trying to see someone, it's like, oh, that kind of sucked. The previous girl, it, women have a sixth sense, they are tapped in that dimension of the universe, they know exactly what's mm. going on with you, even if you don't talk to them. The previous girl reached out that same day. Hey, how's it going? Little heart faces, kissy faces. After she did the same thing about it, about a year yeah, ago, really? almost to the, to the date, mm-hmm. yeah. So that so they'll always come back. And I was telling right. Joel the the last time that this last girl that did this recently, she will mm-hmm. come back. Um, she'll fall this uh, to a science. She will do the same cycle with someone else. It'll be along the same mm-hmm. timeline she did with me, and then she'll come back to me. And then usually. Mm-hmm. I know this might not be the best thing to say, but a lot of times after they do that, then usually I can keep them around because I'll, because then they'll vie for a relationship because at that point I'm already over it. And she's like, okay, well, she's fun to hang out with. She's a cool chick. I know, I know the game she's playing. I'm not going to fall into the trap this time. And then, so they keep trying to reel you in because they got you the first time. But if you don't let them get you the second time, then you can keep them exactly where you want them for pretty much as long as you want. Like, oh, I want something serious. I want to be your girlfriend. And, I'll tell them, Hey, we, we were going down that road before and you screwed it up. So like, you're obviously not girlfriend quality. You're not that type of girl. It's not what you're looking for, but we can just keep it where we're at for now. And I think that's a more comfortable place for both of us. And I've found multiple times in my life doing that. When they do come back, they'll stick around and Andy, like you said, they'll, they, they won't mirror you necessarily, but they can read what it is you want and present themselves mm. as that person, almost like a chameleon. So she'll just mm. keep doing that in perpetuity because she wants to reel you back in. So guys, if you do us. have, if, if we had, yeah, we, really, someone asked, we had someone ask in the group not too long ago, uh, what do you do when an ex comes back? And I know a lot of guys say, well, once an ex, always an ex, never take them back. I used to be in that camp, but once you're able to have some emotional control, And realize okay well she essentially used me but you know what if i want to use her too i know again i know i'm gonna get shit for this but it's a game that's why they call it game you got to play the game so if they do come back then just know okay well she's gonna play she's gonna she's gonna roll out the same playbook just don't fall for it this time. And then you can have exactly what you want, but you always have to know in the back of your head to not take it seriously because she's not capable of that. Mm. And again, I'm, I'm just saying this matter of fact, not saying that's what I'm going to do, nor that's what, that's what I want to do. I like to have healthy, happy relationships. I'm just merely stating the facts that that's usually how that story plays out.
1: Yeah, and I want to say when you're saying uh, when they come back, you're usually able to keep them around. You can't keep them around forever. Like, let's be very clear on that. You may be able to make something work. I mean, they'll, they'll hell, come and go. Hell, yeah. Hell, like I was able to do it uh, and get back together with somebody and spend time with them. But that lasted no more than like, maybe six, eight months. And mm-hmm. then just boom, it exploded mm-hmm. again, even though I had the proper frame and everything else. So you can keep them around, but you can't keep them around forever. It's yeah. uh, You already know that they're a broken person.
2: Mm-hmm. You, you, you can you, pro, you can pro, you can prolong the pull away because if you don't mm-hmm. get emotionally attached once they feel that emotional attachment or that anxiety in you that's when that cycle continues but as long as you can kind of be stoic you're like oh she's a cool girl she can come over once a week whenever she's in town and we'll have a good time we'll go out to dinner and do whatever and then just not think nothing of it then you can kind of keep them around a bit longer but yeah huds like you said they usually come and go and i've got plenty of girls from my past girls I've dated since college, when they come to town, they'll hit me up. Hey, let's hang out. Okay. Yeah, cool. But you know, it's not going anywhere. And as long as you're, again, as a a guy, emotionally able to keep those feelings from resurfacing, which for me, it's usually one and done. Once a girl pulls that kind of stuff. Yeah, it does. It does hit you emotionally a little bit, but once you work through that, then it's not going to happen again with the same person.
3: Mm -hmm. How often have you guys found that In this situation, the girl leaves, she comes back six to eight months down the road that she has done some self-work and she's improved and she's healed that part of herself. And uh, that's not an issue to really see again. I haven't personally found that, you know, it's kind of like Huds was saying, you're probably going to run into the same problem again. Um, So how often Mm. have you found that they do self-improve and what are the signs you're looking for that they have?
4: Well, I've only met. One girl who's ever done self improvement, just one in my whole life.
0: <laughs> it's
2: kind
4: uh, of they're not as honest, I've only uh, ever met one guy either too. So, yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> he's in the mirror. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting question because I you was in, I was in a relationship with uh with a girl who was um di- actually diagnosed with BPD, and so mm. I'm used to these kinds of experiences and you know one of the things like when we did get back together she had not done any work yet um but one of the things that did occur was um when we got back together that's when she started to seriously do work she quit drinking alcohol um she started to work out more Mm -hmm. um there were a lot of different like holistic things that she was doing and then at that point i think she came to the realization too like, that I had known all along that we are not going to work together. And this is not as serious as, uh, you know, maybe we're trying to make it be. And then we separated. Um, so, yeah, like, um, I, 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 there's something I'm trying to say on this that I can't 100% like get down. But like, when you do that self-work, then you actually know what works for you. And mm-hmm. it was through that self-work she was able to realize what I realized, that this will never work. And mm-hmm. so, it, it, you know, it was, uh, it was a surprise when she made her decision. The decision was not, uh, not made in a very normal way. She just completely ghosted me, which is very bizarre. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's um, I think that, that self-work, it's, you need to know yourself to know, you know, what you're worth and what you want in life. And she didn't know what she wanted. And that's why we kept going in the cycle.
2: It sounds like at first she discarded you. And that's usually what happens in my case. No, I actually,
1: I I broke up with her the first first time. time. And that's why I'm not sure if it was her getting back together with me to get revenge or not. Um, Mm. But I mean, like spending six to eight months together, whatever it was. um, I like afterwards in the second go around, um, that seems a little long. For like a, it's like a long plotted revenge scheme.
4: Um, but yeah. It's probably genuine. It was probably genuine. It probably you know, but if you think about it, if you get broke up with you feel like shit. So she probably come you wad her on the hook, didn't you? If you broke up with her, so easy to get her back, but if it happens the other way around, doesn't no? Forget it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The same way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. In my,
2: my in my recent case, I've used the term. And I, I've met quite a few girls like this. They have what I like to call shiny object syndrome. So it's yeah. like when it's like when a kid gets a new toy and ooh, ooh and they're really really excited. You are a shiny so, object. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an object. Uh, going <laughs> not objectify me. <laughs> no problem there. But uh, I call it something like shiny object syndrome. So she gets really excited about me. Maybe, yeah, where she's going through the cycle, the discard happens, she's on to the next guy. And I've seen a lot of times in my case, I'm always getting just a little bit better. And most guys, and we just pose that question, most guys aren't doing that. Almost all, almost no girls are doing that. So as as, as my SMV or just my value in general as a human being, it per- just increases over the long term and hers slowly decreases that gap widens. So maybe in the moment she thought, well, I can do better. I'm better than this guy. Six to eight months go by, sometimes years go by, and all of a sudden she pops back up and I'm a little leaner and I'm a little wealthier and I'm a little more successful and I have a little more social clout and I'm a little more comfortable in my skin. And she... Has gone the other way well that gap widens so i i've I've always used the term uh retro alpha widowing there's girls in my early 20s that completely ran me ran me all around in circles and had had my head spinning and then years later to this day in my mid-30s now i can have them whenever i want because they've gone they spent the rest of their 20s trying to date other guys and realize oh my god Mm -hmm. i i i discarded this guy He just keeps getting better and I can't get anyone as good as him. Now, at the time, she never thought that I was like the alpha. It wasn't an alpha widow when she left me at the time. Otherwise, she wouldn't have left you. So I call it retroactive alpha (laughs) widowing. So I think at least in my case, that's usually what happened. The the first time she discards me, the second time she comes back around, okay, I'm healthier. I've healed from it. I see these things. I'm not going to let it play out again the same way it, it was. But by by allowing her to get a little bit close to me, but not all the way close because she had that chance before and she couldn't handle that because we know that that she has a broken attachment style. So you allow her to get a little bit close. And I think think in, in the avoidance, a lot of times they really do want that. They just put this barrier and it creates this dissonance. So they can't actually have closeness with someone else, although deep at their core, they're dying for it. They're yearning for it, but they don't know how to achieve that. So you allow her to get just a sample of it, but you set up that barrier this time around, the second time around to where you're not outright discarding her, but you're just day by day slowly discarding her because she knows she could have had you if she wanted to. She wasn't equipped with the tools to do it the first time. And the second time around, as much as she'd like to, she will never be able to get that close to you again. So it's almost like you're discarding her. So that's why I talk about that that switch mm-hmm. up or they they vacillate the mm-hmm. two roles if you stay in those cycles.
0: Oh man, yeah. dude. Yeah, that's so powerful, man. Um, and I kind of, I kind of want to move us forward a little bit because we are getting to, you know, we want to, we want to make sure we can get this all in, in the hour. Um, that's a fantastic point. And I think, you know, it's what Jaron's been saying is it's really important to look at, okay, the person I'm dating, what is their behavior? But as men Mm -hmm. and as people on self-development, we know that the most important thing we can do is look inwards. So usually, and this is what I found in, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, your guys' experience, when a girl starts pulling away or... Vice versa, when the the avoidance starts pulling away, it's usually because there's a bit of attachment that gets developed from, you know, our side, for example. So whenever a girl's pulled away from me, it's because i fall fallen into the love addiction. So let's go through the love addiction um, characteristics here. Same thing, same kind of wheel, and kind of as we're doing this, guys, and, and as you're watching, ask yourself where you fall into this category or either or category and in what relationships you fall into because something we might dive into a little bit later is that we can go we can oscillate between the two depending on who we're with so same like as before we got the positive cycle and the negative one positive one starts out love addict is attracted to the seduction and apparent power of the love avoidant boom I know I fell for that. We all do. It's like, wow, they really like me. That's amazing. Um, My mom even didn't like me this much. This is incredible. Go to number two. The love addict feels high as the fantasy is triggered. Absolutely. It's like, you know, when they say falling in love, it's actually you're falling out of consciousness and you're going actually more into an egoic state. So, this whole like fall in love is amazing thing. Yeah, it's amazing because you lose consciousness and you go into an alternate realm of being, being high on oxytocin and neurochemicals. So, after the high gets triggered, uh, the love addict feels relief from the pain of loneliness, emptiness, and not mattering to a partner. And I think this is a really important one. And in the relationship I just had uh, recently, that's exactly what I felt. I'm like, all the work I've done has finally led to this. Like, I don't have to be, you know, out pursuing anymore or dating. Like, I, I'm, I'm complete. Um, all the emptiness and pain I felt from being a child or in high school and being rejected by girls or college or whatever, um, that's gone. And this is amazing. So because of that, what I did anyway, is I was like, okay, I want a little bit more, you know, I'm getting high. I want to get higher as a typical addicts do. And they even mentioned to me, right? So they had mentioned at one point, I really like my space. Like, uh, I, I don't want to be hanging out all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's totally fine. Um, but I'm like, you know what, this is different. I can push those boundaries. And when I say those boundaries, I meant her boundaries. And that's when the negative cycle started to start and she started to pull away. So in no way is you know, as we're saying, she may have been unable to love, but no way was this completely mm-hmm. her fault. And like, you know, maybe she, maybe we could have had an interdependent dependent relationship if I had not come at this thing with the love addiction. So, moving to the negative intensity cycle here. Uh, Before we do, any do you guys have any thoughts on the we, first four there?
4: Just, just do I you idea. think you was do you think you were smothering her then, Joe? Yeah, I was. You no know one wants to be smothered, do they? Let's no. be honest. You know, so probably the biggest thing which you know.
0: Yeah. yeah. And what was interesting is like, you know, what, like we didn't talk 24 seven. We didn't hang out Mm. all the time. And when we did text, you know, she did respond positively. So what that's what we find, too, in this pattern is that um, the person, the love of winning will often like the attention at first. Right. Right. But as soon as it like reaches a threshold where they start to have memories from their childhood or being smothered by their parents, that's when the walls come up and they're like, "Piss off, dude."
4: So, yeah, I yeah. don't think it's always. I don't think it's always that they've been smothered as a kid. I, I think avoidance can happen where they've been trained to almost in a childhood state, in an early earlier state, where they've been trained to actually live without any pats on the back, without any love. That can create avoidance more than oh, okay. being smothered tends to create. Yeah, if you read uh, any mm-hmm. of the kind of psychology, being smothered tends to create an anxious person. So overly mo- molly cuddling a, a kid mm-hmm. will tend to make them super anxious, but no pats on the back will turn it turn them into a almost like a an avoidant because that's that's their learned behavior, that's their normal behavior, you know. So even though I, can... I crave. 100 percent.
2: yeah i I agree with that assessment i I, i've experienced a bit of that so i i I come from i come from a good Mm -hmm. family like we're we're all good now but as a kid i never really got any attention from either my parents i was the oldest son of a single mom which that we can do a whole episode on on what that means being Mm -hmm. the surrogate husband and Placed in essentially the leadership role of the family at a very young age, so you learn to put others first and never really take care of yourself. So as a kid, I was just home a few weeks ago. I I know that I will never hear in my life from any of my family, "I'm proud of you, you're doing a good job, like well done." I I know I will never hear any of that. I've accepted that a long time ago. I think in my earlier dating days, that's something I kind of needed. So I would enter a relationship as the As the ancient one because i or as the ancient (laughs) i'm an ancient soul i'm as an anxious one because i wanted that i need i needed that validation and then Mm -hmm. once the girl started reciprocating that so i've been on both sides of the coin too myself i'm not innocent here so once the girl started reciprocating that you do feel that pressure like oh my god like this this is real now like there's something here but if that behavior has never been modeled for you before you simply don't know what to do. And it, and then you do, yeah, you feel ancient, but, anxious, but uh, you start to go more into that avoidant type role because it is a bit overwhelming at some point. Whereas in my recent case, she's the one that came on first. I'm like, okay, just kind of, well, we'll see how this plays out. I'm not quite sure. I so still have to get to know you. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I, th- I think I kind of dig this chick. I can see a lot in her. I, I do like, I see a lot of things I like in myself and her. A couple things in myself that I don't like when I was about her age, she's quite a bit younger than me, but you know, I can lead her along the way and I can guide her through that. And okay, yeah, I'll start letting down the wall a bit. And the minute I did that, boom, that's when that switched again. So I've been on both sides of that equation. I think that is a good assessment that if you have never received love, that's where the love addiction comes from, but you don't know what that looks like. And I know we're a bit into the stream, but at some point we can maybe do this another episode. I was thinking, define what is love? It's like, I know that's oh, a tough I love that. What is love? What, is it is no. That's like asking what What is God? Oh, hint. You know why nice.
3: it's ahead, easy Derek. to flip flop between anxious and avoidant, even though they are essentially opposites from each other, is a lot of times they're caused by the same thing. So if you have mm. like a parent leave you while when you're a child, the anxious or avoidant is just your response to that. You can mm-hmm. be now anxiously attached in your upcoming relationships because you don't want them to leave, or you can be avoidant because they're just going to leave me anyway, so I'm not going to get started. Correct. So you might come across as anxious mm-hmm. at the beginning, and then it starts working, and then you're like, hold on, I'm just, in general, not secure, so let me be avoidant now. And I noticed that I would do that if mm-hmm. I was like fresh out of a relationship and not really over it yet, and then I'd try to start dating again. I would mm-hmm. look for... I'd be like anxious, and I'd be like, "Let me just make sure I can get a girlfriend again, right?" And then they'd start reciprocating, and then I'd be like, "Wait, hold on, I just, I don't know about this." And then I would honestly be a dick, kind of like what Andy was saying before. I'd like flip flop between nice guy and asshole, Mm -hmm. but never like right in the middle. And uh, I'd real, I'd like play back conversations. I'm like, I was just like insulting her insecurities, like as if I'm just trying to be like, I'm trying to get you to leave. Like if you stay Mm -hmm. through this. Like me being weird, or just like whatever the hell is coming out of my mouth that I can't even seem to control right now, then I can now trust you that you'll stay. Mm. But yeah, I think they're you can flip flop because they're usually caused by the same thing.
4: You know, you know, it's hard to stay. It, it it's actually hard to be genuine and in the middle. It, it, it takes real value. Honestly, it's like the reason why you act like an asshole because that's a a mask again. You're just you know using tricks and. You know, don't text a girl or whatever just to try and use a couple of games. It's it's manipulation. So it's the same thing as avoidance. It's actually hard to be in the middle, your genuine self, and just put yourself out there honestly, and just accept whatever comes. That's actually, and it takes. Um, it's that what I said earlier. It takes self worth.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, what my, that's what my mentor always concerned. tells me—the the Australian dude <laughs> that you thought Andy was. He's like, "Yeah, man, like you did nothing wrong. Like you were just who you were, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. as you continue and getting experience, you're going to get better, and uh, you're just going to not make those those decisions anymore." So that was a a real relief. And um, coming back to the little diagram here, so, and and then we can kind of dive into the solution a bit because I think that's mm-hmm. really important. I know somebody, uh, achieve, uh Betty said, what's the solution? So, you know, why I brought up the, the thing about the being smothered as a kid, um, what this book talks about anyway, is that a love avoidant often had a parent that was very codependent. So they had a love addicted parent that mm-hmm. sometimes not all the time, but sometimes used them for that, you know, kind of what Jared was talking about to as a mm-hmm. surrogate, almost a spouse. And what happens is that, As soon, you know, a a normal healthy person, if they felt someone was getting a little too close, maybe they would have a conversation about it, or really say, "Hey, this is a boundary that is being crossed." I, you know, I'm going to ask that you not do this if you want this to continue. However, as we're seeing, the love avoidant will pull away and then dismiss the person and just run and go maybe see another dude, which we see on the internet all the time. Like when that happens, I see okay, love avoidant, and that does come from the dynamic of having a parent that was too smothering. So. Um, guys, again, once again, check out this book. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's it's changing my whole life. And so we'll get into this negative intensity cycle and then dive into the solution. So uh, number five, the love addict develops awareness of partners' walls and behaviors outside the relationship and denial crumbles. This is that moment, that <laughs> gut-wrenching feeling where you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> they're, they're not liking me as much as I thought they did anymore. Then we enter withdrawal. And this is, like, I, again, I said, the difference between codependency and, and love addiction. You do, with codependency recovery, you get out of it, you feel relief. With love addiction, you feel like your world's crumbling apart. And it fucking hurts, man. Like, I mean, we've all been through it heartbreak, um, AKA love addiction withdrawal, <laughs> I think it's maybe more the more psychological term we're learning. And then as you know, I will have it, the love we obsess about how to get the love wouldn't return or how to get even there's that revenge There's that, Oh, I'm going to sleep with someone else that's hotter and then uh, they're going to see me and then I'm going to be, you know, they're going to want me back, which is all a strategy. It's another covert manipulation from the love addict side. So, you know, both sides are at, I wouldn't say fault, but are part of the you know narcissism in a way. Um, and then the love addict compulsively acts out, obsessive plans. And this, I think, is what we see all the time on the what a lot of guys who are new to boundaries and stuff do. Like, they call her, they text her, they're like, I miss you, baby. You know, you were everything to me. Um, what the wise thing to do is, and I think we, you know, we all know this, is to leave, right? You just walk away, Andy. You told me this, don't ever reach out again, <laughs> just unless they reach out. Yeah, no contact. And then that's not acting out those plans. Um, And then finally, the love addict repeats the cycle with the love avoidant.
4: Hmm. (laughs) But that's a boundary, Joe. That's a boundary, right? You you almost need these rules that you won't cross and you're going to have emotional self-control. Even if your heart's pulling you one way or another, you need a set of rules that you want. A, A boundary is, no, I'm not accepting that behavior, right? And that's what you got to develop, because I think the issue you had was you'll keep attracting those type of women. You don't want to attract an avoidant. you actually want to attract a slightly anxious a, a woman who's slightly more anxious, slightly slightly leaning towards anxious, near secure but slightly anxious is the best. <laughs>
2: yeah
4: that's right? yeah, a, a competition
2: different. anxiety, and a lot it, of times. A lot of times people say that the key is, and I, pr- I try to practice this too, indifference. Now, it doesn't mean be a cold-hearted asshole or dick the entire time, but indifference, at least in the initial phases. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, and I've talked to Joel about this, where if if you meet someone and instantly it's like worlds collide, like we're twin flames that we're old, long lost spirits. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we have come back together. It feels like wow, this is insane. That's where you get into, into the addiction. It's like the first time you try a drug, that first time you're like, oh my God, it's opened me to a whole new world. If you're feeling those emotions when you first initially meet someone, for me, I normally know in my head, red flag. Usually it's kind of, okay, well, this girl seems pretty cool. I enjoy her company. I'll keep seeing her. She seems to be into me and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm opening it up to her. But it goes at kind of a natural progression. I've noticed in my life that the healthiest, happiest relationships and I talk about game stuff and strategy and techniques and tactics and that stuff all the time. But so, so, so I do have the experience there, but I've noticed the best relationships, they just kind of happen. You, you don't, you don't feel, you don't feel good or bad. You, you feel kind of indifferent mm-hmm. at first and they just kind of unfold. They're organic. And I, I hear people all the time say, Oh, well, yeah, a marriage is tough or relationships are tough. It's like, well, yeah, if you're in the wrong relationship, but a good relationship, it's not hard at all. When you when you really are meant to go together, it just kind of happens. You don't have to force things. You you have that trust. You have that comfort. You have that confidence. You can sleep at night if if someone texts her like you're not worried. Oh, is it some other guy? Like none of those thoughts occur when you are in a healthy, happy relationship. So I've caught myself doing this too, where worlds collide. She kind of shakes things up. You're like, oh yeah, I feel alive, but. Well, you know what? Drugs do that to you too. And then that come down is absolutely terrible. So I always advocate practice a degree of indifference. Again, that doesn't mean emotionally close yourself off for the opportunity of something to unfold in the future, but just kind of just kind of be aware of what's going on, observe the behavior. Um, if a girl's really into me initially, it's like, okay, um, I I see this, but extend that runway, extend that timeline a bit and just see how things kind of naturally unfold to make sure that it's not a cycle, Mm. that it's not a front, that she's not being a chameleon. And when people can only pretend who they are for so long. And once, once the truth kind of starts to come out and you can actually see who they are for who they are, I think that's when the feelings of love and love is not to be confused with a lot of this trauma type stuff, a lot of this addiction type mm. stuff. People will confuse it with, like Joel said, oh, I'm falling in love. I'm head over heels to this person. We hear, hear these terms used all the time. That's not love. A lot of times that's just lust or that's unresolved trauma resurfacing in itself. If you don't resolve it, guess what, guys? The universe will just keep giving you the same challenges until you finally figure it mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. a lot of people get stuck on stuck on the same level in life and they never progress. So in my recent instance, like, okay, well, this is it's been a while since it's happened, but for whatever reason, the universe is throwing these things back up in my life. That means that, I'm on potentially the right path, but I need to get over this hump or this milestone to move on to the next level to find what it is I'm actually looking for, which I disple- explained earlier in the show. So pra- practice indifference. Don't have your blinders on. Be aware if all of a sudden someone's really, really into you really fast. Like, okay, you don't even know me. What, why, why, why are you that into me? I don't know you either. I like, I like how this feels, but we need to slow things down. We need to pace this out a little bit and then just let things naturally evolve.
4: Hmm.
0: I know Andy, you kind of were touching on that a bit too. Yeah, great point, Jaren, Just, you know, that indifference, um, that masculine indifference is our good friend Casey Xander calls it. Uh that's yeah. uh I, we're all a few of us here are, are Xander fans, but and, and kind of like you know, Andy, like you're saying too, like, you know, find someone that's a compliment to your to to what you need to work on. I think that's really powerful.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll share i think- I'm seeing, I started seeing a couple people and um yeah yeah, they're, they're a little more on that side, just like you said, where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm the one kind of not texting them back for a day or so. Mm. And it's like pretty powerful. I'm just like, and I'm not like, after this experience, I'm not like even attracted to people that are just kind of that avoidant anymore. I'll delete their number as soon as they, I, I sense that. I'm just like, no, I'm not. That, I'm a, I'm
4: that a, is the fix, Joe. That there is the fix, right? So you wanna go? so if you keep attracting avoidance and you're a love addicted, you don't want to be that way. The reason why you keep attracting them is because that's that's what you naturally attract to. You know, as a lover, uh, love, love addict, you're always searching for what you can't quite have. It goes back to your childhood. So, yeah, you want to shift yourself so you attract. You you stop attracting those people and you start start attracting someone who's a bit more secure or slightly anxious of secure. Because my opinion as a guy. You want to be the one. You both want to be secure, but you want to be the one that's slightly edging towards narcissism or avoidance. Only slightly, not massively. You don't want to be a narcissist, but you want to be the one that is on that side slightly, and you want your girl to be slightly on the other side okay. because you want polarity,
1: right? Yeah? And and that's I do have to jump, guys, but I wanted to mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of talk about this because it is it is very 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 interesting, like to have that polarity like you're talking about Um, because I think we're all, we all kind of grow up on one side and it's, it's, you know, when we talk solutions, it's the self work that brings us closer to the center, which is secure. Um, But that polarity can work very well um, because I know for myself, at least who I have become, I'm more of the love avoidant and my girlfriend's more of the love addict, but we sit so close, to secure Mm. that it works Mm. in perfect perfect
4: place right Mm. Right. Mm. that that's where you want to be that's perfect because you know if you if you if you've ever spent any time as the love addict i know joel saying he has you just keep attracting those severe love avoidance (laughs) that are going to do you no good man (laughs) well, <laughs> no, is, go. is, it,
2: <laughs> is it possible and that this i don't necessarily know the answer i can imagine if you get two avoidance together then nothing's just going to happen that's uh, it's a non-starter but if you, two, if you get two if you get two anxious necessarily. people together does no one not, go no one of the not
1: necessarily there we go two love avoidance coming Confeited together whoever's the stronger of the two becomes or the anxious whoever is further on the love avoidance side is going to be able to win over and manipulate the other one
2: Correct. Yeah, I think that I think that's where you start getting into kind of other uh, dark talk type relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, toxic relationships. It, yeah. It's a good but, one. But anyways, guys, one. I oh, gotta jump. Go.
1: Keep going. Keep going. So this such cheers. a great conversation. Yeah, it was a fun one.
4: Yeah, on. so, so, I've got a good one on the um, on the polarity thing, right? So, um, spoke to a guy once, and he explained it with um, like a scale one to ten, right? So number one on the scale, is um, really feminine. Number 10 is really masculine, right? <laughs> and here's how it works. So if you're super masculine, you tend to attract a super feminine girl. And then if you ever met one of these guys that's like weak as piss, and they're kind of like a bit, they're, they're a bit feminine, they always meet a super masculine woman and they're close to the middle. So if you're, if you're a 10... Or they switch. Madison, I've met oh, yeah, they ones. can switch, but If you're like a 10, you're better off with a one, you know, super feminine girl. If you're kind of like a six, you'll get a five. And this is where you'll get um, them couples, you know, where the woman wears the trousers and, they look, they look the well, same you, they wear the same t-shirt don't they walking down the supermarket you know?
2: well researchers America. have observed researchers have observed that in same-sex relationships that there's still that yeah. feminine masculine polarity one usually ends up taking one of those roles so they still yeah, fit into correct. that
4: yeah But some of those relationships work. So i've got a friend like that who's in one of those relationships you know where his wife is like super strong they do actually work because some you know, guys like that, have, that yeah yeah they you, you have to, to you it. have
2: to have the polarity. It doesn't matter who's in what position
4: yeah, correct yeah. Yeah.
0: a lot of my relationships have been that where the chick is like my first girlfriend was super masculine like she was all in the sports, <laughs> like played contact sports I was <laughs> like I run cross country and track so I just mm. and was so afraid of contact and just um eventually the the polarity switched a bit, but um I've always mm. kind of yeah, I've been more on the feminine side I think I think for a guy, so I'm learning how to be step more into my masculine and after this relationship she was a, a bit masculine too and i'm kind of just like not about like something something really switched here and i'm just like it's like not attractive anymore like for some
4: reason say, that's what
2: happens you start to lose attraction towards those t- yeah. as you grow yeah. you start you start to notice that you're not attracted to the same things you used to be
4: mm. yeah correct it shouldn't work either you know i i remember i, I dated a solicitor and uh she was she was when it was just me and her, she was acting very feminine. Um, but the minute she got angry, she switched into work mode, you know, like <laughs> uh, ran this like boss at this solicitor's firm. She switched into work mode and just went super masculine. I just thought, oh, this ain't going to work, is it? And obviously it didn't. But yeah, you're right. You know, you, you, you don't want, as a guy, I think you should be masculine. That's my own personal opinion. Shoot me if you think I'm wrong, but... that's where i like to be i think it's typically
3: pretty rare a guy is trying to settle with a masculine woman long term so i think i was maybe a little more feminine uh you know high school college and never really found like i got friend zoned a bunch i definitely learned how to speak girl Mm -hmm. and uh i always thought oh yeah like them complaining about their boyfriend means that i'm you know, going to be that green flag eventually (laughs) that they end up with. And uh, I definitely was more on the sweet side and everything. And uh, I haven't really found any situation where being in touch with my feminine side is beneficial. So over time I've just like gotten rid of it more and more and just gone into the masculine. um, So I could also attract Mm -hmm. the girl that I'd be willing to settle with.
2: And like like Joel said earlier, you'll notice um, again going back to one of the previous questions. When you run a lot of volume, you can see your own evolution because I say a lot of times your women are an extension of you, but they're also a reflection of you too. So when you string together, yeah, I'm not advocating a bunch of one night stands. You know, I'm sure we've all been there, done that. But when you're when you're dating multiple people, or just as your as your dating career evolves, you can see that evolution in yourself. Because I was like that too. I was overweight in high school. Couldn't really get a date. Always had girls that liked me, but I was always friend-zoned. I was always the nice guy. I was always the the, 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 the cute guy, mm-hmm. the funny guy or whatever. But whenever I made a pass it, then they'd almost recoil and just, oh, gross. Yeah. And I'm thinking that nowadays, I can't rem- I can't remember the last time a girl said, oh, I think we should just be friends. Because I'm more in that kind of F-boy type category to where, okay, if they're going to drop me, they'll just drop me. And that's usually because they want a boyfriend. But a lot of times what they do mm-hmm. is they'll kind of keep you on the burner And you'll start getting to a point in revolution where you realize, oh, this chick's had a boyfriend the whole time. You had no idea, but you can kind of see those signs. You kind of suspect something is up. But you eventually get to the point where the more that I've stepped into my masculine, even in the bedroom, you'll notice that things are a little spicier, that you can kind of push your boundaries a bit more, that things like, oh, well, I think we should take it slow. I think we should wait. You get Like, for example, guys ask the question, oh, well, if she puts out early, is she a low-quality girl? Well, not if that's what you're used to earlier in my dating career i'd have to wait months and then maybe it was weeks and then maybe it was three three to five dates and it was three dates and then all of a sudden i mean for years like most girls i date it happens almost immediately and (laughs) <laughs> literally like Joel can attest to that they walk in the door and we just go hey what's up we go straight to the bedroom deep house club mix goes on and we're, we're off to the races and yeah. so you'll notice that in your yeah. evolution for guys well, we're all at different stages in, in in our dating progress but you'll notice that as you level up you unlock new levels of behavior in the women you're yeah. seeing too and it's really nice the more you lean into your masculine again as Andy mentioned you have to have that polarity so if you're about towards the middle that's yeah. fine but the more you lean into your masculine then the more she's going to lean into her feminine and you create more polarity and then that's where i feel like there's more depth and there's more dynamic range in the relationship which i really enjoy and you know what guys like don't do it for yourself Uh, especially if you're a nice guy nice guys love women i've always loved women even when i was a nice guy sometimes I uh, i get accused of being an arrogant asshole but i still love women as much as i did but the nice thing is that if you really love women, then do it for them. I mean, obviously do it for yourself, but when you step into your masculine women benefit too. So there's no reason to not do that.
4: Mm.
0: That's such That's a great good. point. I, I, mm. Quick, quick on that, Andy, I think that Jaron, that message you said can like, if you're a woman watching this, you know, do you know, think of the opposite, right? The more feminine you can be means the more masculine guy you're going to attract. And i know a lot of women yes. in today's day and age mm-hmm. are, are frustrated because they're not attracting masculine men well when you come with demands every date and are like okay we're doing what i'm saying and uh, blah, blah 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 you know it's mm-hmm. a huge turnoff for a guy especially if they're a masculine guy yeah. and maybe you attracted him with your feminine in the first place so the more feminine you can be if again if you're a woman watching this the more you're going to have that polarity as
2: well so yeah, yeah. For, for, for women watching, the more feminine you are, I'm saying this as a guy, you draw the masculinity out of you. Out of you. When I have like mm-hmm. a super sweet, just nice, pleasant girl, I feel more confident. I feel more stoic. I feel more powerful. So a lot of times I know this effinist narrative that's been going on for decades or generations now. It's like, oh, well, you know, women deserve equal rights, which they do, but that They took it too far to where, okay, well, now you have to be like a man, be exactly like a man. That is such a turnoff to men. And what Mm -hmm. a lot of women fail to realize nowadays is being feminine is a superpower because the more you're in your femininity, you can have Mm -hmm. any man you want. I, I coach girls all the time. And we've been talking behind the scenes about maybe coaching girls to where, well, I don't know how to get a boyfriend. Like, how do you not know how to get a boyfriend? Just show up, look hot, shut up, laugh at everything he says, be pleasant. And there is so few, there are so few women in the dating market like that. That Joel, you've seen, you know, me bring different girls in and out of my life. When one of those, when I do come across one of those, I'm like, ooh, I like. I'm holding on to her like 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 Lenny of mice and men, like, oh, I like soft things. Like, I have to have it. I don't want to let this go. So it's not hard to get a boyfriend if you're in your feminine. And a lot of women fail to realize that the f- femininity is a superpower because you can draw the raw masculine energy out of a man. And when you combine those two things as a unit, you can conquer the world. There's a there's great things that have happened throughout history. And I think it's it's really sad that those roles have switched to where men have been taught to be more feminine and Women have been taught to be more masculine. If you go back to the Mm. natural state of things, all parties benefit Mm. from it.
4: Jaron, I'm not sure it's, I don't think it's, I'm going to stick my neck out here. I don't think it's the women not being feminine. I think that them not being feminine is the reaction to Mm. most men. I agree with that. The same woman can meet two different men she can meet a masculine man and she'll be feminine and she can meet a more feminine guy and she'll be super masculine. So I think it it's not its not really for the woman to start being feminine. The, the big problem in society today is a lot of weak men. Yeah, a lot of times when you, Western you know, guys... You just step up and, and be a man. And you don't have to act like a dick. It's just having boundaries and just knowing what you want to do in life and achieving life and just being useful as a guy <laughs> okay just being slightly useful you know having a decent career or whatever I you guys think this is more
3: stuff? from uh social like like uh things like the show friends right like oh ross gets jennifer aniston that's yeah. who you want to be like be like ross right there's like things like that in the media they kind friends. of make it to be yeah i never watched like, it either
4: no <laughs> nonsense. <You know> <laughs> I you, I'm with yeah. you, Derek. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. But
3: uh, yeah, do you think it's more like societal conditions like that, or do you think it's because the world has gotten easier? Like, if men want to stay boys their whole lives, they totally can. You can still have a roof over your head. You don't need to be able to kill a mammoth, and you're still going to eat just fine. Do you see the problem as more just how life has gotten easier, or what would you say is the root of the problem of men acting more
4: feminine?
2: Oh, it's okay. oh, I think
4: it's, I think it's yeah. dopamine on tap. I, I just think everything's so easy. It's dopamine on tap. It's it, it's um, economy and consumerism has just given everyone everything for no work, and it's just resulted in a very weak society that doesn't want to actually work for anything. And it's no one's fault. It's just the economy that does this. It's just where we've ended up as a development uh, you could say Western society, you know, it's, it's overdeveloped. Yeah. Uh, so the point you end up getting decadence creeping in and people just expecting something for nothing. No one's working for anything. You know, you don't have to work. Yeah, I've, noticed, a, I've
2: noticed when you go to crap countries, almost like the worse off economically a country is a more feminine than men. the women are.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and the there's more polarity. That's Ukraine. Right.
0: <laughs> Dude, the most yeah, feminine women. Yeah. And, uh, Derek, I think. Well, they're as not as there
4: anymore. they involved left it's all balanced
0: yeah Yeah, right (laughs) now Now they're starting to show up down here go to warsaw Um, (laughs) i think uh i think it's culture too i think it's both because we were talking about this huds the guy who just left uh we were talking about last night like all the songs that at least i grew up with i know jerry and andy Mm -hmm. are a little older Derek, you and i are more around the same age i'm 29 uh all the songs were guys singing to women about how They were everything, and that they couldn't live without you. It's just like, Mm -hmm. and they were beautiful songs. Like, you know, I was playing a bunch last night. Like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna out myself a little bit. I was a big Nickelback fan. I have great music, but it's all about, I actually like them too. Yeah, right. It's all about how the girl's gonna save you. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And friends. I was in an emo band in high (laughs) school, And, and yeah, I didn't think anything of the lyrics. Now, when I listen to it, I'm like, damn this is this is not good to listen to but i loved that kind of like metal and screamo but yeah Yeah. all the lyrics is the guy just you know being completely heartbroken (laughs) uh so yeah it wasn't good to
2: i grew up up outside of seattle in the 90s so it was all grunge and heavy stuff they never once sing about women it was all about how life in general sucks i think emo took it to the next level i was like okay yeah life sucks but it's a woman's fault and <laughs> uh, and then I, I liked a lot of the 80s stuff, like Van Halen. Like, half their songs are just about fucking hot chicks or like yeah. kiss. All their songs are just about like slinging dick. So I think we need to, but so I think there is, I, I don't know if, if culture is necessarily downstream from what's actually uh, occurring with people. I think there's a symbiotic effect there that, mm-hmm. that, that they, they do impact each other. But I, I'd say that that, ha, that does have a lot to do with it. And I again, I talk to girls all the time where, to be honest, especially girls, you hear guys, oh, she has a high body count. You should never date a girl that meets xyz criteria but when you actually talk to these girls a lot of them just like guys they they just want a healthy happy relationship they can't help their feelings just like we can't help our feelings you can do things to do the work on yourself to try to control those things and realize okay my feelings are really just indicators but as a guy i need to be logic and lay out a road roadmap and make sure that i'm actually being cognizant about my decisions but women women's feelings a lot of time they overpower them they don't they they're, they're wired the way they are but they don't really know how to do with it and i think society's done a bad job these last few generations of teaching people, you know, how to, how to be a man, how, how to, how to be a woman. And I, I that's why I'm glad this channel is, t- is going away from the, Oh, women, all bad men, good. That, 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 that low IQ nonsense you hear in the space. Mm-hmm. I always say my channel will never be that popular. Cause I don't think that way. The people that are most popular, it's like, Oh, we got a bunch of thoughts and three Oh fours in the studio. We're going to belittle them and throw them out okay, that's for low IQ people and that's for broken people. We have a higher level conversation here because I, again, I talk to a lot of women because I date a lot of women, but I, a lot of women trust me too, even when I'm not dating, they reach out to me all the time and they understand, yeah, we want healthy, happy relationships. And I always make the point, by i way, say probably baby boomers onward generation wise that we're all kind of broken. We're all products of a, of a slowly decaying society. So really, mm-hmm. if we want to steer the ship back on the right track men and women have to come together we're always better together than we are apart so we have to understand okay it's not it's not women's fault it's not men's fault it just is but let's base things in reality this is the state of the union here's where it needs to be we got to put our heads together and start and start putting ourselves back together and i'm i'm glad that we stay away of of a lot of the resentment here but uh, guys uh, guys watching if you think oh it's all women's fault for my lack of for my lack of physical int- intimacy, for my lack of love. Well, no, that's kind of something broken within you because once you start getting that together, as we mentioned earlier, these broken women just don't come into your life anymore. They're just not on your radar. Or if they do, Joel, I had a, I had a girl over last night. She was just kind of weird. She was kind of off and she was uh, not as attractive as she was in her photo. She came in and eventually I got to a point like, nah, like I'm not – I'm not really feeling it. You know, like, what, what are you doing here? I, I have better things to do with my night. And then we came out and listened to music and cooked. And, you know, it was a much better use of my time. But you get to the point where you're just, you're just like, nah, I'd just rather not. And that's a, that's a healthy place to be, I believe.
0: Yeah, and guys, you're never broken. Like, I, I absolutely, John, I'm, I'm with you 100. Um, percent But never, you know, I think one of the best things you can do is start, you know, rewording the way you talk to yourself. So, uh, I think that's been a big change for me in the last couple of years. Is you know, I'm not broken. There's not something wrong with me. Uh, I'm not a mistake. Uh, I'm I'm just learning, and I'm just exactly who I am. And um, through through stuff like this, through. Consuming content like this, reading books like the one we shared today, getting out, talking to people, and connecting with other people that are kind of like minded in where you want to be, you start to re you know reframe those those ways you talk about yourself, and that's really yeah. a lot of transformation comes.
2: I think a better word is probably misalignment. So I, I use with my guys a lot of time like but that are, are you integrated? Have you interge- integrated the good and the bad, and the the white and the black, and the up and the down, and everything about yourself? And you'll you'll meet guys that you're like okay. Like they're they're almost put together. Yeah, I think broken's the wrong term because that 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 implies that you yeah. you can't put it back together. Even if you do, there's gonna be they use the analogy when you drop a glass. Yeah, you can glue it back together, so it's still gonna have those cracks or those scars. I believe for for guys or for people in general, a lot of times we're just a little misaligned. There's okay, maybe you're 98% of the way there, and there's a couple little ideas you have to pull out of your head and replace with something else, or maybe just pull them out and and just you know, throw them away because they're not serving you. Uh, completely so yeah i use more terms more like um integrated versus di- disintegrated and uh and aligned versus misaligned mm. yeah. love that man i think that's a great oh go ahead me I, I see a, oh, a say,
4: right. yeah just something I talked about the other day so we're all flawed aren't we we're all flawed humans you know just got to realize everyone's on their own journey and it's i think part of the human
2: experience we're supposed exactly. to
4: be Do you know, if you really internalize that thought, if you really, like I've told you guys before, love all humans, right? Because once you realize that everyone's flawed, it's so easy to forgive, you know? And and it, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're more further on on your own journey, whatever, but it's so easy to forgive people when you realize that everyone's flawed. And this is... It's 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 not indifference when you said indifference, John. That, that that's true, but you're not you're not. It's not a game. You're not putting it on. You're just okay with whatever outcome. It's you know, exactly if you, it. Yeah. Outcome independent. With you, you anymore? Fine. You know, like it's fine. That's their choice. Everyone's got a choice. You just got to be true indifference is like just being comfortable with yourself and whatever you know, because everyone's flawed, or you know, yeah. even yourself. We're all flawed. Yeah,
0: when it it comes back to the like, I felt (laughs) love. I felt love when you said that because Uh, it's like, you know, you have that indifference, like Jaron said, but it's with love. So you you look at the person. And I think like, like unkind indifference is like you're like, oh screw this person. Like I don't give a crap what they do. Like that. There's an element of resentment. With I was talking talking to the school for school guys. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> 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 <Will> you actually <laughs> yeah. where you have yeah, that exactly. like I like how you said forgiveness once you that's so beautiful Andy we're gonna definitely clip that and throw on the channel because that's just
4: mm. we, we should do a session on it right because this is the biggest thing I've learned this year but I do a, a one-on-one meditation twice a week the biggest thing I've learned is that love all humans right because everyone because it, everyone's on their own journey and it's like, it's easy to forgive once you understand the human experience, it doesn't matter. It's like, you know,
2: and, and to, to, to tie, back, <laughs> yeah. into the, to tie back into the tie back in the main topic is it uh, pertains to the anxious versus avoidant type uh, mm-hmm. attachment patterns really, a, a lot of times on either side of the equation, the, the, a lot of these people don't necessarily know that they're, they're doing these things or they don't necessarily, mm. maybe they don't want this to keep happening. Like the same thing in my case, like the girl that pulled away at some point in maybe saying it with like her besties right now, who, who knows, but like, Oh, why can't I have a good relationship? Why can't I meet a good man? So they, they realize something's off, but a lot of times they don't realize that they're playing out a cycle. And a lot of times it's a cycle of trauma that was put on them. One of the biggest mm-hmm. things that helped me in my dating life was forgiving my parents for having gotten divorced, going back. Like I got to an age where I have a memory of when they were my age. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, you know what? Like, okay, yeah, there's still, there's still still parts of me that I need to improve. Like life is, it's a lifelong journey of improvement. It never stops, but Looking back, okay, well, my parents are my age. Wow, they really they really messed things up. And, I, and I'm taking that generationally and I'm shifting that energy and I'm starting to move it in the right direction. And I'm not going to commit the same mistakes that my dad did. And I'm not going to get into the same situation my parents did. But you start to see them as, as a kid, you don't know any better. It's just really traumatic. You know, anytime there's a, a rift in the family or a split. But as an adult, looking back and just seeing them as two other adults, just two other imperfect humans, and then being able to forgive mm-hmm. them for that and understand why they did the things they did. A lot of these, a lot of these, this digitally mediated technology wasn't around to where they could go on a forum and they could watch a YouTube video and start to unpack this stuff. Psychology is just in its infancy. Religion was kind of already making its way out of mainstream culture. So you you have, you put two imperfect people together. Yeah. toxicity is going to occur in a relationship, but that doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean they wanted that to happen. Doesn't mean they wanted to damage other people. So for me entering my dating life, I was just a product of that. But guess what? My parents were a product of something else larger than them too. So it's really no one's fault. The onus is on you as the individual to start steering things in the, in the right direction. But I think forgiveness is, is a great place to start too. That, Hey, a lot of times like if, if you're yeah. if you're in a, if every time you get into a relationship you get really anxious and you have to pull away or sabotage it well yeah you're making the other person suffer but you're suffering too no one really wants that at the mm-hmm. end of the day no matter coaching clients I've had girl or a guy any guy guys like me that have ran through a lot of girls or guys that are maybe getting just into that at the end of the day pretty much anyone I ask girl or guy no regardless of race religion creed nationality they just want a healthy happy relationship that's really what they want now you just have all this stuff in the way that you have to start. Working through to allow that to naturally occur, that feminine mm. masculine pull. It, going back to that point, I don't,
4: I don't think anyone's trying to actually hurt you, are they, Jared? Yeah. No I'm trying it. to hurt other people. I don't wake no. up saying I'm
2: gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this girl's heart. Like, no, I don't want to do that. That's a terrible I, thing to do.
4: I think it's just that it goes back to that that flawed humans thing, and what you said there about forgiving your parents. I, I think holding any kind of a grudge, and that, you, you see this in families. I could never hold a grudge with anyone in my family, because who does that help? It 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 only hurts you holding a grudge. I yeah. do. Forgiveness not
2: helps it. you. It doesn't help the people that did you exactly. wrong. It exactly. it helps you.
4: Yeah. And and that's what it's all about. It's like it's just not worth holding any kind of grudge at all. It's Like,
2: yeah, do I want to carry this weight around with me? It wasn't my no. fault. Like, no, I just let it go. Like, okay, they're two imperfect mm-hmm. humans. They did. I would have done the exact same thing in that situation. So. Okay, yeah, m- m- move along, <laughs> on to the next.
0: In recovery groups, they say resentment is holding a hot coal and then just expecting the other person to get burned or drinking rat poison and then expecting the other person to die. Just kills the host. <laughs> just kills the host. Know. So. Yeah. Um, guys, you know, this is. I want to say this has been a fantastic conversation and we do need to wrap up here. So I want to thank everyone who tuned in and you know, commented, joined, was a part of this conversation. It's a fantastic conversation. It's just so fantastic to be going deep and talking about these things that uh, you know maybe a lot of us have been told are gay to talk about or something like that. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of which, I'm gonna throw up Glenn. Where's <laughs> <It's> Philly's best gay <laughs> coach? I uh, know, you know, with some dude, yeah. you know, doing his thing. So, <laughs> uh, Glenn, good to see you, man, and uh, appreciate you, uh, Kevin, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Also, a member of the Men of Now uh, community. So, uh, you, I mean, you've seen him on the show before on the channel and. Really, uh, reach out to him if you have any questions about business or just kind of mindset and stuff like that. And then big shout out to Spartan uh, Existence, man. Uh, six six weeks off weed—that's huge, and wow. it's just so great. Hit to up Joel,
2: that. get on his channel.
0: Yeah, man, Is absolutely.
2: Come clients on
0: I have no idea. Yeah, just I think I've seen the name before, but um, yeah, yeah, dude. I think love it's that one of my guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, Spartan's oh, been, been around here, for guys. a while.
0: Sweet. Mm. Awesome. I know Derek has been off weed for a while too, so it's uh, it's just so great to see so many people getting better. And um, yeah, so let's uh, let's take a moment. We'll wrap up. We'll go around the horn. Tell people where they can find you. And um, yeah, Derek, would you like to kick us off?
3: Yeah, definitely. This has been a great conversation. I learned a lot from you guys. I maybe didn't have as much to say because this isn't my area of expertise. I got a lot of experience of. You know, but being on both sides of the love avoidant and the uh, love attached, so uh, said what I had to say there. But yeah, this was uh, really great from you guys. And my channel is Derek Vidal. I talk about everything entrepreneurship, mostly marketing, and then mostly Instagram marketing. So feel free to check me out over there.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> and then Andy, <laughs> very awkward.
4: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Derek. <laughs> Andy.
4: All right, cheers out. Yeah, I'm Andy Holt. Uh, My channel Tips and Tricks at Home, it's more for... I do do a lot of uh, book reviews and love psychology. That's why I'm here. Um, Dating's not really my topic, but it's all part of psychology. That's why I kind of came at it from that angle. So, yeah, I do a lot of uh, book reviews. My other thing that I do, a lot of cooking, um, which I do enjoy because I do believe in health. Um, But, yeah, if you want to find me, just go to my Instagram there and all my various links. Uh, from my Instagram account, Andy Holt underscore A Z L. I, I say A Z L, but I think the, most of them are American audience, so A Z L, and that's me. Okay.
2: All right, and I am Jaron Scott. So for those that have been following my channel for a while, you'll notice that I changed the name a few months ago. I'm starting to change the content. So I'm taking my brand in a new direction. I've been living on and off in Mexico for 20 years, speak Spanish very well for a gringo. Still have a bit of an accent as I hear him play back in my video. But uh, but I've I've been fully acculturated, have lived here, have a very good high quality lifestyle for myself. So I'm taking my YouTube channel more in the direction of I'm starting to do Spanish uh, language lesson videos. I'll start doing more intercultural topics. I've actually published in multiple languages on those topics. So figured that As much as I like the dating stuff and the uh, Red Pill stuff and Manosphere stuff, it's time for me to start growing a bit too. So that's where I'm taking my channel. However, I am a part of the Men of Now community and I do like these topics and I really do like helping guys out. So reach out to me on Instagram at Jaren Scott if you need any uh, help in any of these areas of your life uh, gringo guides is a youtube channel so if you want to start uh, learning how to speak some spanish maybe you're looking to move to mexico at some point or want to start doing exploratory trips want to do the digital nomad expat passport bro type lifestyle i've been there done that i can definitely help you put together a process and do just that uh, click through to my channel i'm offering a 20 introductory call for 30 minutes so we can start getting a plan put together for you and um, again the dating topics at jaron scott and then also this men of now community that we have on the ticker down below that is a Community of like-minded guys, really just looking to level up in all areas of love and life by building lives worth living and loving. But we're taking it to the next level. So yeah, we'll talk about fitness. We'll talk about finances. We'll talk a little bit about dating. But as you can see here at this conversation, we're talking about a lot higher level stuff. We don't hold resentment towards women. In fact, we are planning to eventually open the community up or have a, a crossover community to bring women in because we are attracting a lot of attention from women. And every guy in there, we all we all do pretty well with women. That doesn't mean okay, yeah, the ability to get to get laid or whatever. That's uh, that, that's that's one component of it. But the other one is to build long-lasting, healthy, happy relationships. So uh, really, mm-hmm. it's just all about practicing self-love. And the minute you have self-love, then guess what? It just starts to come back to you in abundance. So it's a, it's a much higher mm-hmm. level uh, community than a lot of stuff that's out there. Um, low monthly recurring price point. So uh, right now, it's currently $75 a month. Uh, that should be something most guys can swing. I mean, really, it's it's a bar tab. That's like, one night of you not drinking a month, and then just come join the community. And then um, we also built it to where you can be incentivized to grow the community and actually uh, be rewarded for doing so. So we have a very very attractive affiliate program to sell any sort of products or coaching services or even group memberships to. Uh, the community itself. So we're doing 50% of the monthly recurring revenue if you refer people. So refer to you guys to the community, you pay for your membership. Each of those guys refers to them. And we built this so it can actually scale exponentially because we really mm-hmm. want to expand our reach and, and touch many many lives from all across the globe and we're we're off to a good start right now so i definitely appreciate you guys watching stopping on by again reach out to any of these fine gentlemen here but also make sure that you check out that link down below and pop in the community this is just a preview or a sample of what we do the the really deep work happens uh, behind the uh, the paywall there yeah, absolutely
0: jaron and uh, i've grown a lot from the group as well um we have three of us that are in it. Derek's an honorary member, so uh, it's just all kinds of cool people. Really, we're, at the end of the day, we're just learning how to be more human and less of our, in our own egos and stuff like that. And that's something that I think the world's ready for. Um, I know I am for sure. So, and absolutely, guys, check out check out Jaron's channel. It's awesome. He taught me a, a phrase that I was saying incorrectly when I'm talking to women. So that's been a huge game changer. So you will get instant results. And We're at the point like,
2: where pretty much everything you still say is incorrect, but but we will oh, yeah. we will get there. I'm <laughs> glad that we actually have a, a long term <laughs> lesson plan. So uh, and then and then you, you're my audience. It's nice because Joel and I are roommates. So as he's recording the videos, I'm like actually looking at my target audience. So it makes it really nice to do the content. <laughs>
0: Yeah, girls like, you know, well, it's yeah. endearing, but I can't actually say words, but Google Translate, man. That's the word. That's the, the move if you come abroad. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. You guys check out that channel. We're going to learn a lot of stuff. Same with Derek, man. Super helpful in learning how to grow social media. Uh, both Jaren and I have restructured our um, our coaching packages because of Derek, your advice. So big thank you there, mm-hmm. brother. And uh, as well as Andy, just a great friend and I love it you know you're so good with girls you don't need to talk about it that's how you know hey, <laughs>
3: okay. good with,
0: with the ladies yeah. so uh for myself yep i do addiction recovery and uh sobriety university uh, come check it out for all kinds of addiction content, mostly uh, marijuana focus because that seems to be the one that people are gravitated for. But we get to have talks like this that talks about other cross addictions, which um, I found myself that I have more than one. <laughs> They're like weeds. I pulled one, and then there was seven more, and then I pulled those four, <laughs> and you know, it just keeps keeps popping up. So uh, we had a, a stream or. Uh, the last two videos in the channel with Derek and he shared experience on weed. So Derek actually came to me a few months mm-hmm. ago to quit marijuana and he's just had a fantastic success. We've re- we've grown a great relationship outside of the coaching itself. And, um, just, you know, a pleasure to have met you and to be able to do this, like it's, it's absolutely unreal. Um, so I know Spartan, check that video out. Um, Derek gets to talk about his benefits and how, you know, life's a lot better. And I think we've all experienced that when we've quit a bad habit, that at first it's you know a little scary, but then you just start to see your, your world starts to open up. And that's why I'm here that, to help you with that was a good
2: stream. Your, your last two streams were fantastic. Oh thank you, brother. So, yeah, Spartan definitely check out, yeah, check out Joel's channel.
3: Thanks. Thanks, man. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> and- You're talking about my stream on, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Derek's> stream <laughs> okay. So yes, thank you. Uh. Yeah.
3: God fucking love
0: it. I, I'm like, I always like, you know, I'm pretty sarcastic. And the first time like Derek had her call, he like just was sarcastic to me, and like, I, <laughs> I like didn't get it. So I got to <laughs> taste my own medicine. But anyway so i do coaching uh, if you're struggling with addiction especially marijuana hit me up uh, same as jaren 20 minute 20 dollar, uh, 40 minute call you can book down below in the description and we'll find out where you are on your journey uh what you need help with and how we can get you off weed as fast as possible that's really the name of the game i don't want to be working with you for 30 years i hope we have a great relationship outside the coaching but i want to get you out and experiencing life as fast as possible so with a simple couple mindset shifts I'm working on that thing like those things like fitness diet uh mindset journaling which is something andy really talks about as well so check out his channel for a video on that uh you're gonna one. yep oh, and you have a really nice journal i have this like crappy one i got in poland it's just <laughs> but
4: oh, yeah,
2: uh mine? No, it's, it's in my bag,
4: <laughs> it's in my bag. Oh, look at that fancy one we uh,
2: oh Darren, yeah, you got I've got, yeah i've got a little leather bound one at the strap yeah those are nice
0: god you bougie my diary <laughs> No. <laughs> we'll get you off weed uh, hit that below and then men of now can you guys check that out it's gonna be a great resource for you yeah. to to your diary
2: joel said people. a meme thing today <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man uh shout out chris amy as well uh definitely yeah hit andy up at, at his ig um let's see dating gets old sorry to be honest yeah, it's a part of the right. journey. Like I think, like we talked about earlier, everyone has to go through it to get to where they want to be. But once you get to a point, like kind of where Jaron's at, he's ready to kind of move, transition into something a little more move um, along. You know, yeah. Yep. And then likewise, man. Love you guys. Jaren, Derek, Andy, Huds. Love you guys. And uh we'll nice talk to man. you in the next one. So adios. Peace. Peace.